Look at the Boga Hunting Podcast. That's why I, I tried not to have camps on my bow. I don't have to deal with slippage or anything Shut like up. that. You just put a new string on there, you're fine. What is Boga? But seriously, that's the dumbest thing ever. It, it go, I am all about Just strap it to your pack. Really appreciate the fact that you're from Michigan and not Georgia. You don't want to be the next Mark Kenyon. No. I'm a shit show. <laughs> that's, that spot's taken. You can see how pathetic Jared's face is right now. <laughs> because that's how it looked. It was just like, is this good enough? Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few of our partners that help make this podcast possible. First up is First Light. Great camo, fusion, cypher. You get to pick your option, or you can go that new ash gray color. Uh, they make fantastic merino. They make great stuff for elk hunting, great stuff for hunting down south, great stuff for deer hunting by us. Um, so we rock it all year long. We love it. Check it out, firstlight.com. If you guys are in search of a new pack, then you guys have to check out the Seek Outside Short Tail. It's designed to cover three main uses, which are the western big game hunts, it's tree sand friendly, and it's great for backpacking long trails. And it can pack out close to 200 pounds. You could carry out a Jared. You can carry out one of me if you use want. The, use the promo code BOGA, all caps, for 5% off your order. Jared's sold separately. If you're looking to get into the tree saddle game this year, then you guys need to check out Trophy Line. These guys have been around since the 1960s, and they've been doing it ever since. We're going to be rocking their Ambush Light tree saddles this year. They're lightweight, they're comfy, and they're extremely easy to use for that beginner. Head over to their website and use the promo code BOGAHUNTING10 for 10% off your order. If you're looking for a quality, handmade, top-of-the-line traditional bow, look no further than Bivouac Bow Company. Jim and Georgia there are excellent boyers, handmade, custom. They are precise and they make fantastic shooting bows. If you're looking for a great bow, check them out, bivouacbowco.com. So if you guys are like me and you find that buying new arrows can be completely cumbersome and annoying where you have to go to the bow shop and have them cut your arrows and glue in the inserts then you guys need to check out vector custom shop all of their arrows are purpose built meaning they're going to take your draw weight your draw length and a bunch of other specs that you want and they're going to actually make the arrow for you and then send it to you and they have direct to consumer prices so check these guys out vectorcustomshop.com there are a lot of good apps out there but if you're a hunter and you're looking for a do-it-all app, check out HuntWise. First of all, they have GPS software that tells you where you are, where boundaries are, if you, you can share locations. But it's also a, a community of hunters where you can all share what you're experiencing. We'll post there pretty regularly. Actually, that is where I have my only social media account. So if you want to see what's going on in my mind, go to HuntWise and check us out. All right, well, welcome to the Boga Hunting Podcast. We're continuing our August scouting series, and uh, we've got Jake on the line from Exodus. Jake, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having the guys from Exodus here again. Are you both there? No, no, I'm, I'm here in Illinois, so I guess real quick, the company is in Northeast Ohio, and I handle pretty much all the sales and marketing, and I am uh, thankfully in Illinois. So yeah, uh, mm. mm-hmm. we're not huge. I mean, we're Michigan guys, so we we by default have to like hate Ohio. Any state lower than us, really? Really, I though I like Illinois because of the Bears and all Chicago sports teams <laughs> and the Bucks. Yeah, there's Bucks. There's some good things about Illinois. Many many bad things as well. I think we're known for being a very corrupt state. Yeah, but but it's a it's a long state with a lot of diversity, so I can't complain. You get some good with the bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good mixture. There's uh, it's the yin and Mostly the yang. bad. Well, the, here's the thing. If, like, Illinois is dropping for me because I don't know if sports are even going to start. So then, if not that, what is it to me anymore? You know? Exactly. <laughs> Come back to the glory. I'm not ever going to be a Lions fan. That's <laughs> for sure. We don't want to. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we had you here on our podcast, what, about a year ago? Has it been a, a I, year already? I think it's been a year. Jeez. Yeah. So we, uh, when we had you here last, one of the things we talked about was you had how long you, uh, what is it? You call it soak your cameras? Is that what you call it? Let them soak. Yeah. So you guys had, I think you guys had Chad on the last run, and he yeah. he runs his strategy a little bit different than mine, having a lot of the kind of southeast Ohio area. Yep. 
I guess to answer your question, you know, we were talking about this a little bit in the pre-record. You guys run, you know, roughly two or three cameras a piece. Yeah. I'm running close to about 30 cameras now, so my strategy is probably a little bit different than some other folks. But for you summer or August, you know, I'm, I'm trying to soak those usually about four weeks at a time. Uh, if I'm going, going in to check some of those, but sometimes it's even longer depending on what that camera's purpose is, because each one kind of has their own little mission in the back of my mind. Yeah. That's camera rich. Well, that it must be nice. So here's yeah. here's the thing. You know, last year when we had uh, Chad on last, he was talking about how long he had some cameras out for like a whole season and a yeah, half. I remember that. And you know, he had triple digit cameras and and stuff like that. And so so you're saying you're not you don't put yours out as long as he does? No, uh, no, I'm checking most of mine. I I will leave a camera out for a full entire season if I'm trying to just learn a piece I want to have in my back pocket for the upcoming year. Yep. I will do that, but for summer scouting, I'm, I'm not going to go ahead and do a full soak for that season. But as far as late September, October, that's when I definitely uh, would take a strong look at putting up a camera and leaving it for an entire year. But for the summer, uh, not so much. Yeah, see, I feel like during the summer months, especially during the off season, that is one of the hardest things to do is not go and check your tra- your trail cams you know what I mean? Oh, I, I was going to say, like, people with the fortitude to literally wait 365 days or however many months or whatever, I, I have a hard time going, like, a month. Yeah, you you know? You jumped the gun quite often. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. Yeah, well, I, honestly, I've become constantly busy. When I, when I wasn't as busy, I would check my cameras a lot more often. It obviously kind of falls to the wayside, but knowing each camera kind of has its own little mission, and, and yeah. if it's just to get pure data, then... As much as I don't want to, you gotta let it soak. Okay, so I gotta ask before we even jump into it. Coming off of last year, we heard a little bit about Chad. How how did your your year go last year? How was 2019 like the last normal year in the the world has ever seen? You know, now with COVID and everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, 2019 was solid. I killed a 10 and a half year old deer here in Illinois, sending a seed for cementing in my aging. So that was very exciting. I actually that was the second year I was hunting that farm, and the year prior he was. In the 160s, uh, as a nine-year-old then, and it was a really solid year to hunt them. And as this upcoming season, I, I didn't see him as much. I saw him kind of driving around in, in October, actually, is when I first laid eyes on him. Yep. And later ended up connecting him. Connecting with that deer November 3rd, uh, after he kind of opened up the script. So it's pretty exciting. Illinois is a two-buck state, so it would have been a little better if I filled both buck tags uh, on another slammer, but I can't complain at all. Yeah. No, that that's mm-hmm. awesome. You know... I've never killed a 10-year-old buck, have you? No. 10-year-old buck, that's pretty impressive. That's an old deer right there. He's seen a lot of things. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we have some videos of him, and he just looked old and decrepit. And even the year before, in the summer of 2018, or, you know, that September, he even looked a little awkward up, up to that point. But he was still out looking for a doe and still looking to breed. So Good for I need to see a deer that old doing its thing. Hey man, that's how I plan on going out. <laughs> just, just breeding till the day I die. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. How did? What are deer years? You know, I know like dog years, and there's like charts based on the size of a, a dog. But like, well, I wonder what the conversion is to, for deer years. Like, what's a what's a ten year old deer and human here years? I, I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw a number out there. I'm gonna say it's still pretty close to that. I would say six and a half. Each year is about seven and a half. Seven and a half. That's <laughs> I'm just thinking when they're when the three year old is running around crazy, it's a wild deer. That puts you at about that twenty one, twenty two year old uh, for human, and that seems about right. Fourteen, you're pretty immature, and <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my best. So Jared, you are seven, fourteen, twenty one, twenty eight, thirty five. You're almost a five year old deer. You you know what? If I saw you, I would be very excited to shoot you if you were a deer. A good I would probably five shoot and a half. Myself. Would you? Yeah, I'd shoot me too. I wouldn't. Would I'd, you win it? Not pass you. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that pass. is actually Hard pretty pass. pretty deep burn. Well. Literally, you're straight to the core. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, going back to the camera topic, going into this year, now coming out of that with this 10-year-old buck, you got any uh, uh, bucks on camera that, that have your attention right now? As of July 14th, not necessarily. There's some deer that are familiar and, and they're solid. But my goal, my goal every year is to try to kill my first wooden crocket caliber whitetail. Uh, so that is my current goal. I have not found a deer that I think will be doing a crocket, but those goals, the, the goalpost moves closer uh, as I don't yeah. find one or yeah. don't have one to hunt. But I think in the next two or three weeks, I bet I'll find a really solid deer. So I'm just kind of very excited to do some additional carpools here in the, in the near future. But 
clear, uh, familiar faces start to show back up, but no slammers yet. Jared, I actually got to ask you: Was your that one Illinois buck a Boone, Boone and Crockett? Did it meet the? What's the threshold? What is that? So typical is one seventy. Uh, one say not typical is one ninety. Wow! Wow! Okay, no, you didn't get that. Sorry. Not at all. But that would be pretty sweet. Definitely a buck of a lifetime. Yeah, we've got a few out here. Yeah. The thing is, I haven't got them on camera. I've got a few that I haven't that go to. I can see from a road with some some glass, but I haven't got them on camera yet because I haven't put it out. But I've got two spots that I got to move my cameras to that I hopefully will start seeing some some deer. So you know, actually with that in mind, I've got a couple a handful of cameras ready to move into a different range. So you know, for a guy like me, say it's mid to late August, maybe even early September. You know, where should I be putting up my camera to, to be ready to go and, and to, to really get the best bang for, for my buck, you know, per camera? Pun intended. Pun intended. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. You know, with your current situation with three cameras, and, it, and it's kind of strange that late August, September, a lot of things are starting to change uh, from what I've seen in the past that late August. Yep. In those evenings, you start getting bucks that you haven't had on camera all summer. So you, they're kind of expanding the range from what I've seen in the past. So I'm, I've had a really great success here. I'm kind of in ag country here in Illinois. So even yep. like alfalfa field, hay field, had really strong success of just getting inventory of bucks. They may be nice pictures, and that's more than fine, but at least I know that deer's alive and uh, within a reasonable area of that mm-hmm. of that parcel. On top of that, I mean, mox grapes, I know, I feel like that topic's being, like a, you know, it's oh, yeah. being seared into everyone's brain, but there's a reason for that because, whether it's a mock scrape or a community licking branch, wherever the case may be, fantastic place to get inventory. We can't use mineral or base here in Illinois. So yeah. that is one of the best inventory pieces I've had uh, in the past. But just those key destination food sources are, are always a really good place to get an idea of what's around. Yeah, we, we can't we can't do mineral or, or food, any bait piles here in yeah. Michigan. But recently, actually, what was it, last two, three years? Not it hasn't been the case for very long, so yeah, the 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 mock scrapes are are like awesome to at least congregate deer and get a sense of what's out there. Yeah, and sometimes if you just find a community licking branch too, yeah, on uh, a piece of public or something like that, so it's a little less obvious to someone walking by. That really gets success with that as well. So just keeping your eye open, even some of those scrapes in October that you see that are just really big. They're it's a, it's a scrape that anyone that walks by I'm like, wow, that's now that's yeah. a scrape. Keep that in mind because there's a really good chance it's going to be licking branch this time of year. You can uh, shimmy up and hang a camera up in the tree in a kind of an inconspicuous location. Yep. That's a really good tactic for, for kind of getting inventory out of public where you can't do, but it's not necessarily a destination food source or anything like that. No, that's a good. That's a good point. Getting your, your Hold camera on, just, by. Uh, just a little regulatory update. Oh yeah, on the go Michigan, ahead. Uh, baiting and feeding. Because we sometimes throw around facts that we yeah we really need a fact checker. <laughs> that's me. That's you. <laughs> I, I, I'm taking on fact checker role. Uh, baiting and feeding are banned in the Lower Peninsula and banned in the Upper Peninsula's core CWD surveillance areas. So not the whole UP. No, just in the core. I didn't just know that. in the cores. But if it's anywhere else in the rest of the UP where baiting is allowed. Then there's following restrictions to that. Okay. So like it, can o- it can only occur between like September 15th and January 1st. Mm-hmm. Volume, you know, it's a bunch of different stuff. I get it. So at least they're minimizing the UP, main. The, the uh, UP is still good during they have certain times. Yeah. Interesting. So continue. Well, thank you for that. That was no, that's good. You know, the listeners will, will appreciate it. You're welcome. Oh, well, what I was going to say is you mentioned a good point about throwing a trail camera up high on public land. We'll take like a even a one stick with us. Yeah, throw it in our backpack, stick. and you can like you can get. I mean, especially with camera, like you know, some of your guys' cameras, you can see a long way. I feel like that do-it-yourself hunter, sportsman. What's his name? The guy that you love. Oh yeah, DIY sportsman. Yeah, he did one, and he did it like to like seventy-five feet or some ridiculous distance. Mm-hmm. It, it, what you can do is like literally shimmy up a tree and hang it down. The other thing, actually, I saw that you guys did that. Was, I thought was interesting was the use of a paracord. To holding sticks yeah. up like that's mm-hmm. fairly new but th- you know it's a great call because that strap is usually such a giveaway mm-hmm. you know like explain yeah. how that works yeah so i guess what aspect the paracord or hanging it up the uh, paracord hanging it up. okay yeah so that's uh that's something that we kind of i guess take ownership to some degree uh here within the last year or so you're and, patenting and you're exactly that right. the strap is What's that? I said you're patenting that? Yeah, it's Exodus, the Exodus no, method. No. But we're going to call no, the Exodus no. method. Yeah, now, I'm, now I have to. Yep. We'll have to get the Exodus paracord with like a 
pre-tied knot. But no, um, <laughs> so that's something you're exactly right. The strap is usually the dead giveaway. And obviously on public, you can't use a screw and mount. Uh, that's another, if you're on private, yep. that's a good option. But mitigating that profile and making it so much smaller, that is really the key. I mean, there's there's other options you could use. I mean, you could just use a little piece of wire as well. That'd be even smaller than airport. So oh, yeah. anything that, that, that makes that profile smaller or less noticeable, that is, I mean, that's the ultimate key because whether it's humans or wildlife, you want to get the most pure data. And yeah. how to do that is have it be completely updated. I'm telling you, the the more I hunt, the more I see the value in not tying abilities. Because, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, we got into, Jared introduced me to the rope mod for a, tr- a climbing stick. Changed, mm-hmm. changed everything. Game changer. And Jared's method for hanging stuff from a string on a tree, mm-hmm. total game changer. I love that. Yeah, so, actually, have we talked about your string? Have I told, have we talked about how I, I didn't love it? But, yeah, um, you I appreciated it. <laughs> Jared made me this string holder with all these knots. It was pretty cool, but I ended up just always using a strap when I got up You're there. You're going to confuse people. It's a gear hanger Go made ahead. out of 550 cord, yeah. but with little, little tiny uh, Prusik knots all around it. Yeah, so you can slide it around. Yeah, you, just sl- you can slide the knot around if you want to have stuff, and your bag hangs on it. It, was, it, was sweet. it does hold the bag. I might go back to it. The problem is I think I gave my, the one you made to, for me. Uh, you gave it away? D, That's So I might need you to make another one. Is that really no, bad? I'm, I'm, no, I'm sorry. To charging. ask you after I told you I didn't like it. I'm going to charge you money this That's, time. That's fair. Back to the back back to the topic. Sorry, sir. So when you're putting uh, when you're putting cameras out, like y- y- are you this time of year? Are you going for understanding the type of deer, the size? Mm. Like, are you trying to find a hitless buck? Are you just trying to pattern them? You know, for for people who are listening in who don't have a ton of experience with a trail camera, what's like what's your your aim uh, at that that point of the year? Yeah, I mean, there's depending on what your goals are. Yeah. All those all those things you mentioned are, are certainly a good thing to keep in mind. If you have a season that opens early, you can certainly get a buck on a summer pattern, and that's a really strong approach to uh, fill an early season tag with a buck that you'd like. Yeah. Here in Illinois, we open October 1, so things are starting to change a little bit too much up at that point. Not to say you could you know, make an early season hunt happen based on this summer pattern, but yep. what I'm doing, if I had three cameras, four cameras, and I was running them in August, and trying, I'm just trying to find a big deer, uh, to be completely honest, yeah. trying to figure yep. out what's out there and from there i'm going to kind of evolve my plan and somewhat with my ocd personality i'll have a lot more three or four cameras if i find a big camera, i'm going to want to know yeah. everything i can up to that point so you know in august i'm just trying to find i'm just surveying for big deer and to add to that yep. as you kind of build a rolodex on these farms or parcels or pieces of public so many things change in the world, but these deer are going to be doing, you know, very similar things year over year as long as nothing changes. So a lot of times I'll get a certain buck showing up in a particular area around the same time every year. So right now, like I said, I'm not sweating. I haven't found necessarily the deer that I want to hunt yet, but yeah. mm-hmm. usually it doesn't show up quite yet. So that August is a fantastic time to, to lay eyes on a big velvet buck. And although he might not be living on your farm, there's a, I would I would bet a lot of money that show back up and you have an opportunity to to hopefully shoot them later in the fall at some point. So you're just you're just looking for that intel at that point. You're just looking for you just want that buck on camera. Yep, I want to know he's locked. I want to know he's in the area. Yep, and start and start the next survey of questions. Right. I'm yeah. Exactly. About. Well, and as like you you were saying, as you start to pick out property that you've done it year over year, you gathered this whole book of data that you're kind of internalizing and, and using to understand the property. I would imagine, and this is something we learned on the last podcast, mm-hmm. the seven the seven day, is it called the seven day rule basically for yes. deer? That they're so patterned, usually within a week of a sighting, the next year that buck will be in that same area doing that same thing. It, it, yeah. was, it was it's a which is a really interesting thing. I've been reading this this article on deer and deer hunting or one of those websites. And I would imagine then if you you take that idea and apply it to trail cameras, you really can by moving it around can get a sense of where deer are going all year. You know, if you take and then you take that data, basically you know where those deer are going to be throughout the year. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah I, Don Diggins kind of coined that term or he, I think he was one of the first people to actually write about it. Yeah. And he had a wrote about it in like 2003, but that's something that's become uh, much more common knowledge. It's great for deer hunters. Yeah. And I've, I've seen it even closer to 36 to 48 hour rule, I guess you could say. And there's one example that sticks out more than anything else. 
a really, really uh, large eight-point frame, and I got permission on handshake on this tiny little piece of ground. That yeah. It was literally a ditch between a bunch of big timber. Yep. And the first year I hunted it, that year was in there, the second year, and this was like the 24-20 of every single year. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to hunt this past year, but I still had my camera there. Sure enough, he was still there. So, I mean, that's wow. three years of history of, you know, really, really, really solid deer is doing the same thing. So, there's just so much power in, in the trail camera data. It's, you know, as much as you want to look into it, you know, if you just look at it for great value, I don't know if you can reach the full potential. But if you start asking a lot of those questions, um, you know, sky's the limit on, on what you can do with these right. pictures. Yeah, well, and I'll, not with three cameras. We're not. Well, here's the we thing. Pretty, <laughs> with that seven day rule in mind, we got to go back to Wisconsin because I've got this oh, one oh, spot across the river, I and then I just watched a buck <laughs> chase around. I remember thinking, man, if I was just on the other side, and then I went over there and I never saw him. He uh, came back from camp with just like sparkles in his eyes. Uh, he said he he claimed he saw like a heavenly buck. I saw a definitely Boone and Crockett biggest buck I've ever seen. And I know where it is, and I know exactly. I'm just sitting there the whole – I'm spending 10 days just sitting in that one spot right where across the road. I'll go back there. You'll go back there. I would go back there. I'll go back there. Maybe we'll have to have a Wisconsin 2.0. It was a good time. Yeah. So 2020 planning (laughs) 3.0. So when – yeah, it's going to change. Here's the thing about our plans for 2020. They are fluid at Mm, best. Yeah. Yeah, they're very liquid. (laughs) So uh, when you're gathering this information – you know, you have dozens of pictures, and the idea is you're trying to monitor certain deer in certain places at certain times. How are you taking all that information, you know, which is a lot, and kind of compiling it into mm. an understanding of that deer? You know, how are you keeping track of all that? Yeah, as you run more cameras, the more mature it becomes. <laughs> um, with the, I mean, I wish I could say I had, you know, I uploaded it in a wish drive, and I did this, and I did that. I do have folders on a hard drive. You know, by far, by camera, and kind of by date. But I also put them all in my iPhoto, and mm. by by that automatically doing a lot of the sorting. That's that's pretty powerful. So, let's say I'm looking at deer that I got on camera last August, and okay, this deer hopefully should show up the next card poll when I go pull this. And if he if he does, then I'm going to look through my pictures again and see what he did for the rest of last year because you know it only takes one more data point to match up sure. and potentially throw your tag. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. It's like it's almost like I wish I had a computer program that I could make. I just enter different pieces of information. It compiles it. After a few years, it basically spits out when to go hunting where. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. If I was a, I need you to do. Can you make that, Jared? You have a lot of good skills. You can tie knots. That's just not. That's not, that's not my area of IT. We got to get hunt. Those are programmers, man. Yo, hunt wise. There it is. They would. Yeah. They, there you go. Get those guys on it. They would. They would Jeff too. Would those guys are. Uh, good at that kind of thing all right so we got kind of philosophy and we got some some tips for hanging it up when you are say you're going to a new spot public land you've never been there before and you want to go throw some cameras let them soak for a little while before maybe you do an out-of-state hunt or or whatever what are you looking for like how are you finding for a guy who's maybe planning a hunt like this for the first time really doesn't have a ton of times to go scout wants to throw some cameras out um, what are your recommendations for for a guy like that at this time of year yeah so Great question. There's, I guess there's, my, there's some level of hierarchy of, of things across the mind. So the first thing would be looking at the satellite imagery of that parcel and trying to pick out, you know, key in anything from a digital standpoint. Go in, walk it, and see if there's anything that stands out up to that point, whether it is a primary food source at that point, there's a lot of good signs. And, hey, I'm just trying to figure out what kind of beer are on this piece. So when I come back, I can just look for a sign again and try to get on a beer. For instance, actually, this went down to a piece that was like four or five hours away. Yeah. We found a community scrape right outside of the bedding area. And it smelled like deer. It was a fantastic location. So we put a camera there. And from an inventory perspective, I think that'll be absolutely perfect. So I'm just looking for, you know, the same thing that would be on a place that's not too far from you or a place that you have been spend, spend time. You're just looking at what, what looks the best, confirm yeah. it on the hoof, and kind of roll with it. And the beauty of it is, if you go there and you check the camera and it wasn't that exciting, you can move it. So, yeah. and, and just keep building the roll deck. Maybe you cross off that area. But, yeah, I mean, there's lots of challenges on, on the showing up to a random place and, like, where do I put this camera? And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of thoughts and struggle that goes with that at times. Yeah, so yeah, that that's kind of the interesting thing. There's a lot of ways that, you know, you want to you want to make sure you're finding that best spot to hang a camera. Right. But, like, for a lot of guys, you know, for us, like, last year we went to Wisconsin. Maybe we could have gotten out there a little early to hang a camera. 
See, um, I was thinking about that too. Like, if we would have brought cameras, we could have put them out at the spots that we wanted to hunt later. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And then pulled them to see, okay, is there anything going on? Yeah. It looks like there's a good sign, but, you know, are they, have they been pushed out of here? Is there anything huntable right here? So, I don't know. Yeah, I like that. You know? Yep. Yeah. When you go back to Chesco's, too, you're probably going to be hunting as well. So, right. if you go in and pull that card, you can see if, hey, they were in here, you know, the buck we were after, or there's four bucks that we'd like to shoot that were in here in the last four days. That's probably a good spot. Uh, right, you're right. Say, you know, August, September, early parts of September, there was a batch of the group of a bunch of solid bucks. Yep. They're probably still within a two mile radius. Exactly. If they're not, if they haven't been in the last four weeks, they're probably not far away. So just. You know, I was talking about that buck I had watched across the river, right, right uh, in Wisconsin. I later moved, right, so that was, it was right before a snow, it was like, that was like a 40 degree day, I'm watching this buck. That night, it snowed a ton, and it kept snowing all morning, and the temperature dropped to like 2 degrees. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Uh, How could I forget? Yeah, it was cold. I went and hunted there that morning. And at 10 o'clock or so, I got up and I decided to, you know, I did a big push around and I, I decided to, to move to a different spot just for a few hours. And plus, I was I was cold, like two degrees. I was out there for a long move. time. I needed to move a little bit. That was like day four or five of, of a week's hunt. And so I was like some long sits. I needed some movement. So I got up, walked over, and I, I wish I would have put a camera out because when I walked back, the, a, a buck had literally been through several times, like right under your tree. Right. It literally <laughs> sniffed my tree. <laughs> this tree I was in, and I was just like, I wish I knew what that buck looked like. It was me walking his, around on deer foot. His foot, his hooves were almost as big as my hand, just straight down. Not any of that sliding crap, you know, that sometimes people count just as a like hev- a giant. Like just a, a heavy boy. Like a true footprint. I just, this, till this day, I'm, I wonder, was that that monster I saw? Was it that drop time buck the guy was talking about? It could have been anything. Could have been. And just, like, I could have had a camera out there and at least had an idea of what I missed out on because, yeah, that drives you crazy. That brings up an interesting point because sometimes I put cameras near my stand. I know there's a lot of folks that don't agree with that. They don't yeah. want to have any additional pressure to where they're hunting. But I've gotten a lot of interesting data from it. So, I mean, that, that would be just another strategy or I guess – it would just be another learning experience, to be completely honest. Um, yep. there's, there was an instance where I went and hung, hung a stand on November 9th. For, it would have been my, the boot and crock and I was after. And then later, this was just a, it was the Exodus Trek, so not a cellular camera. That yep. evening, I had him right in front of my stand looking up at my new setup, like nose to the ground. He smelled me and I was busted. But he was in there a couple of days after that, and he still would have been able to kill him, but definitely tipped him off that he was being hunted. So. You know, you would have never guessed that in a million years that he was at the base of my tree two hours after I hunted, but that's that's your hunting. Yeah, it drives mm-hmm. me crazy. I have just a yeah. I've I've got some. I just had this. That was a story of my last year. Yeah, just narrowly missing out on a couple bucks, yep. and it's like, dang it. Some of it was. I, I only slightly missed out because of things like range. Like I, you know, I yeah. I was in compound bow range. Like a deer at like forty five yards, but oh, with a trad bow. Yeah, but with a trad bow, I missed out. But there's a couple ones, just like man, just just one different decision, and I would have had a buck. Hopefully, I got that out so this year I can have what Jared had last year. Jared, you had a pretty. You good can season come last back year. And, and shoot a compound with me, man. No, I'm not going back. Just think about all Admit those defeat. bucks you would have gotten, all those turkeys you would have gotten. I would be, but no, just hey, rolling and you just do the hard. Be the I'm, hard I'm guy. A, sorry, I'm purist, man. That's fine. I like meat. I took the training wheels off my bow. Well, yeah. Uh, so one. new spot. <laughs> new spot. When you're looking at these pictures, right? You pull one. You pull a, a card, and you've got 800 pictures. Like, how, how are you? How are you going through these things? Like, what are you saving? Do you delete them? Like, what's your? Say you pull a card. What do you do? Walk us through that process. So if I pull a card, so I have had a graduate with two SD card cases up to this point. So I have there's like hard plastic cases. So I'm bringing those, I'm swapping cards. As I come back, I go through, once again, on iPhoto, I'm picking out all of the good pictures that are of bucks or, you know, bucks in general, and I'm putting those through my iPhoto or, you know, adding to that. And then I'm also organizing them in a folder on a separate hard drive. And that, I'm just, I'm pretty much taking the full, the full file and just yep. full, all the photos and dumping it. And that way I just have kind of a backup, but I already kind of went through it with my uh, computer on iPhone. So far from perfect process, but when you're running a lot of cameras, it, it becomes a chore in itself to, to really organize it. I, I'm sure there's some small things I missed, but overall I'd say I'm getting 
80 or 90 percent of the potential out of it from from that process yeah yeah that's that's interesting how, how are you doing it jared when you're pulling a camera like how do you go through your pictures Sheesh. i used to just kind of scroll through pretty quick till i see brown like almost put them all in like a, a thumbnail preview yeah and, and some of them if, if i knew it was like a but you're, what if you get that sweet picture that sometimes you even have one that you posted See, yeah, today? And, with and like that's this, that's the kicker. You're gonna miss that buck. So I met a guy this past weekend. His name was Ethan, and we started talking about hunting. And he goes, "Oh, you got to see this trail cam picture. I got it, you know, around like early January this year. And I was gonna delete it because it looked like it had a small buck in it. But then when I looked off into the woods, there was just a monster buck just in the tree line, but you can barely see him. And that's that's just the point, like." I would have scrolled right past that picture and yep. not even thought you know, been like two little seconds buck. about it. Yep. But it just kind of shows you got to slow gotta down look. and analyze these pictures. But if you have 800 pictures, yeah, I'm not going to spend, you know, I don't know how long it takes to scan a picture, but I mean like 30 <laughs> seconds a picture. If you're looking at a picture for 30 seconds, you're looking way too, too long. Is that too hard? I think you're probably looking at I really long w- feels like eight seconds. I really want to experience the picture. Look at my hand for eight, one, two, three. Four. All right, so 10 Let's seconds see. a picture. That feels pretty long, doesn't it? That's still going to take a long time. A long time. Do so the math. I'm that like eight cameras, too. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's... Um, I know there is technology out there that have antler detecting software. Like el- I told you algorithms. software, man. It's an no, algorithm. It's always about the algorithm. Always. Yeah, well, I think that's going to continue to machine learn and get better over time. Mm-hmm. But yep. I guess the one that you're talking about... I don't know if I would bet, uh, you know, on that API to, to pick up those pieces. But yeah, right down the road, yeah, that certainly could be you know, as it becomes more trained. Then yes, I think it would be that. So I just, I guess, we'll have to be patient. But in the meantime, and feed the feed the machine, feed the feed the AI. Right, we just have to deal with our own brains. They're so slow. <laughs> I hate so my brain. Take so much work to to do that. No, it's it is interesting because. You're, you're, oh, oh, the other, actually, follow-up question to that. So you're going through, Jared, I'm yeah, asking yeah. you on this pictures. one. Do you keep, like, do you delete some, or do you keep all deer pictures, or do you delete some of the deer pictures and only track deer you want to watch? Or I'm tracking like, bucks. Uh, oh, you're not tracking does at all? No, no. I want to see that buck on there, and I'm going to start trying to pattern him. I can get on does pretty quickly, you know what I mean? It's not, yeah. not going to be that hard. If you're in that area, you can find does pretty quickly pretty easily but finding that mature that mature block where sometimes he's skittish of the areas that you maybe you're in or maybe even he's camera shy that's that's what i want to start yeah that's interesting what are you and jake you're what are you doing in a lot of situations i don't pay a ton of attention to it but when i have a camera on a scrape and let's say uh, there's or, or a bunch of bucks that hit it and the scrape kind of went dry and then all of a sudden the doe comes back with cell camera that scrape, I think, can be really solid in the next 48 hours, and I've seen that happen a lot, kind of that November 10th, 11th, 12th time frame, when yeah. the next wave of does start to go out of heat. Those does can really tip, tip you off on what what may happen in that 48 parcel uh, yeah. for the next couple hours. And, and that I continue to pay attention to that throughout basically the remainder of the year. Now, that is most effective on some farms that have higher deer densities than what other ones that I do want. So that would be one way that I, I definitely, you know, key on or try to. I, us- I think I usually delete too many. Do you? Yeah. And then here's the problem. I'll delete them, and then I don't put them in the right folders, and, like, I don't tie them to a certain spot. And so mm. I'm always, like, two years later, I'm like, what? A- where was this again? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a tree. Where the Where is this? This a- could be, in you know, up in, in north, or it could be, like, somewhere else. So do you attribute that to laziness or being disorganized? Just Usually, here's the thing. Or a little I, of both. A, I think a little bit of, I think just dumb. I think I'm just dumb. Goes back to the brain again? <laughs> just no, the brain. Right. No, I, uh, I'm i usually pretty organized on when it comes to computers, but, and not in my real life. I don't know. I just, I don't know if, I don't know that I have a good system worked out yet. Hmm. Well, so I'm, uh, now I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking like a guy who who's wondering this too is, besides looking for, you know, what's in your picture, your, your, like what's in a picture, what are you looking for in your camera? Say the guy's waited the requisite weeks, however long you believe mm-hmm. that is. You know, for me, it's about two days. You know, for, <laughs> I'm gonna go check the for an animal like Chad was like 150 days. Whatever, whatever your 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 range is, a guy wants to go out and, and grab his camera. How are you doing that without to to not disturb the deer? Are you waiting for? My, I'll I'll start out. When I go, I typically wait for it to rain. I'll wait for mm-hmm. a nice rainy day, and then I'll throw on some rainy clothes and I'll go pull a camera, and hopefully that kind of covers my scent a little bit what's what's your approach uh to for, for covering up your scent yeah i i do try to 
coordinate with the rain. Uh, we actually, we were looking at some information from Dr. Grant Woods, actually. He was saying that deer actually have a heightened sense when it's uh, moist conditions like that. And they, you know, you have to read his article, but basically when you walk into a super musty room or musty area, humans can smell so much better as well. And obviously deer's senses are, are heightened compared to humans. So that would be, <laughs> I would agree. Like I, now you go try to check my cameras and, uh, during the rain and have them wash away or I try to be as least intrusive as possible. But I think at the end of the day, I don't know how much help it is or, or you know, that's a good point. I see that like, point. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I've always been that rain guy. But yeah. after kind of thinking about that for a little bit, you do, like even for us, our sense of smell is so much more heightened when it's more humid out. Especially, oh, yeah. Especially in the woods. Yeah. So, Jared, what do you do? I, I'm a rain guy. But I don't know anymore. What are you going to be? I don't I'm know. I'm thinking maybe a high wind. High wind? But what about your your ground your ground scent? Don't know. Put on some boots and just, I'm, or just do it. I don't know. I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah, everything's ruined. You've turned his up, his world upside down. That's all right. I, that was, was like last year. I made a point to only check cameras on days that are rain. I mean, I work from home here, and if there was rain, I want to check cameras. That's when I want. And then after reading that, I think it was around January or February this year. I was like, did I just do that wrong for an entire year? <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know. It's so tough. I feel like every time you think you you figure something out, there's someone else that's like, nope, that's wrong. So you know it's always learning. I'm going to amend my statement and say I'm not going to worry about it because of that seven-day routine that you're talking about. You think that habit. you won't send them nocturnal, you're saying? You don't believe that they'll go? Nope. Really? Yep. I'm going to I'm gonna believe it. All right. Well, I mean, we'll test it out this year. It'll really be, be anecdotal. You know what? That would be, that'd be a kind of a cool study. Yeah, we need like 200 of us then to do it. Statistical, oh, yeah. you know, significant number. I mean, I'm worth 100. You're worth That's 15. true. Yeah. Maybe 25. We can make it work. The di- you hunt probably a little public, a little private. Are your tactics when you're when you're hanging cameras different late summer? How, is there a differing you know philosophy in that approach? Not a whole bunch. I do make a much more conscious uh, effort to hide my cameras on public. One particular piece, I've got actually a lot of really solid deer on camera there, and that's also the only place I've ever had a camera store. So, oh really? Um, that that I mean, with that being said, on public, I think. Just from the animal fire receiving some more pressure. I mean, some of the private pieces I don't have an equal amount of pressure, but at the end of the day, good trail camera practices, it doesn't matter what kind of piece of ground it is. You should be trying to hide your cameras. Yep. A lot of the pieces of public don't necessarily have destination food sources. Right. Uh, so still looking at some key terrain features, you know. Yeah. You guys spend a ton of time in the woods, and you guys sometimes, I soon probably get the feeling like, oh, this looks like a good spot. Sometimes yeah. that's all it is. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I, I got a spot that I, I kind of had that I'm, I'm looking forward to it this year. Just like a, a spot that spoke to me. What if it's just trash? It could be. I don't know. I'm going to try it. It's, <laughs> it's my. It's an opening day. Pop. It's the spot I saved. And although I don't know that I'll be able to do an opening day hunt this year. Bold. Want to know why? My brother, who is oh, yeah. going to be editing this podcast. Tommy. He'll hear this. He's having a, his wedding on October 3 in Colorado. I'm driving out, so I won't be able to hunt. You can't hunt any of those days? Because I have to leave. I have to be there the day before, October 2nd. You don't want to do like a Colorado hunt? I, I don't know that I'll be out there that long. Oh, okay. I'm trying to get there and get back. The old back. James would have. I don't know. Maybe I should. What sh- sh- can you imagine? We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll yeah. About it. So I don't know that I'll be out opening day. Do you have your your spot picked out yet? No. Yeah, because you lost your lease. Well, that's not the that's not my primary hunting. That's like the that was just kind of a nice. That's the honey hole. Although that's where you went last year opening. Was that a, or your first time? That was our first time, and, and I was told I don't know how long we're going to have this lease, so hunt it as much as you much as much as you want. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll go out there the opening day. No one else is going. Which year going to be your honey hole now? I've got a couple spots on like state land near me that I'm. You haven't even told me about those. Interested. You hide them from me. Oh yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yes, sir. Yeah, we've been doing some, uh, and by the time this podcast goes out, some uh, permission stuff. Uh, we we just filled some of it with uh, for, for first light, so that there'll be some some permission public or private land that we'll be hunting too this year, which is going to be pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Okay, next topic, um, you, you know, and and this is one that maybe this is like the frequently asked questions section of a website. This is going to be this type of question. Mm-hmm. So when you see someone that's telling you about their trail camera strategy, what's like the number one thing that they do wrong? 
when they're throwing this, this their trail cameras out yeah. or, or when they're hanging, especially maybe the, the guy who's a little newer. Shoot, yeah. I'm going to throw someone under the bus here. Um, <laughs> Perfect. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's tough for me to say what they're doing wrong. Like, there's so much that goes into every trail camera set that, you know, for me, that kind of like objectively say, like, oh, you're wrong. But I guess some of the biggest things are just using quality trail cameras that are going to work. That's probably the first thing because that's the that's the all-too-sad all story I hear that, oh, my gosh, I saw this big here. I went and bought this camera. I put it out, and it didn't work. So that's Oh, yeah, I've been down that road. Mm-hmm. Every yep. I've got one camera that I keep putting out, and it keeps doing that to me, and I still use it. And it's not Exodus, and it's it just chaps me. It may, breaks my heart, and I still put it out. Yeah, so that's that's the first thing. And then I mean, as far as just you, especially in season, you wanna you wanna pony up and you broke your batteries because you're just gonna get so much more battery life out of that. Make sure you have an SD card that's working. Just make sure, just make sure as you set it up for whatever reason you put it there, you felt good about it. Go ahead and make sure that everything is working and operable. And you know, hey, anything can happen when the when the camera's up. Mm-hmm. You try to hide it a little bit. Uh, don't put it on a little real skinny tree where it's going to get a bunch of false triggers. I mean, that's, as far as summer trail camera mistakes go, putting it on something. Obviously, people are putting it on edges of big ad or edges of big whatever. I mean, and gear. Creatures of edge. So where there's edge, there's probably a lot of false triggers. And just trying to be aware of that and hanging that camera to mitigate those false triggers, you're going to have such a better experience. That's big. So okay, so that's a, that's a good. That's good. What, what else? What, what else you got? What else do people do wrong? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that wasn't that wasn't good enough. I mean, it was good. It was something. one of them. I, I feel like there, I can. Have, there's a couple out there that you regularly Give see. Give us something decide. juicy. Yeah. What's Jared doing wrong? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, everything. I'm not throwing in the other Jared. I do things things are a lot wrong uh, pretty often too. Sometimes, one other thing that I think a lot of folks do, especially maybe when they have a a little more cameras, or maybe you go out on this piece public, you have three cameras to deploy, and you find two really good spots, and then you end up putting this third one on like a kind of a wind. It looks looks all right. Then when you go and check those three cameras, the the camera you kind of threw up on a wind was not worth it. Not right. There. I I hear and do that a lot as well. I think that's a pretty big mistake. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, I mean, I do that often. That's fair. W- w- Jerry, what about you? What's a mistake that I see people doing, yeah. or I do myself, or either, or maybe have done? I've got a great. I've been around. I've got two good ones. I've so been around a lot of people mine. who either forget to put an SD card in. Oh, I've done that before. <laughs> God, that is the yeah. worst, man. It, you get there, you've been waiting, and you're like, you know how when you walk to grab grab your trail camera, you're like, oh, hell yeah. And to kind of wow. go off that, too, or they leave the SD card locked. Oh, you hate to see it. You, you hate, hate to, to see, see it. that part. But then also not refreshing the batteries. Yeah. Just saying, seeing like, okay, I've got some charge in there. We're good to go. But not, like, refreshing yep. them. Yep. All right, I want to go. I I you just thought one? of a really good one. Yeah, yeah. Right. it was a mistake because I've made both the the ba- the low battery mistake and I've done the HD card. So when I said SD I'm card. around people who do this, it's, it's me. mainly James. Yeah, I'm <laughs> your uh, ca- James, the cautionary tale, yes. Zanstra. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I uh, one one awesome mistake, just pretty epic mistake I made once was I found this awesome pinch point, basically surrounded by marshes, and it was right basically right between connecting two little strips of land it was i mean ideal you had to take a kayak to get back there if you're otherwise you're going to walk miles and miles so i'm like sweet this is going to be an awesome spot i'm putting my camera out there for months i'm doing the the right thing and i'm putting it out so i put it out kind of lower on a tree actually because i it was less visible it was easier to hide it lower and i put it just right by an awesome trail right distance away and everything else and i did it kind of late winter or maybe early spring and i came back and picked it up like maybe September. Whoa. I put it out for a long time and I, I put it low and I didn't account for the growth. And <laughs> I literally, I literally, it was just covered in grass. Like you could, it was literally a foot of it, a foot in front of it. There was, it's just basically a field of grass. Like you couldn't see anything. <laughs> and it was like, I Idiot. mean, all year, I all summer I had been like, oh man, you know, this is going to be great. This is going to be my spot. And I literally, I got one time, uh, a, like a butterfly landed on one of the blades of grass. That was it. Nice. So hang them up high. People that don't hang them high hang enough, them high. not only do they get them stolen, but sometimes you don't account for that, that account for that green growth that happens early in the year. Totally agree with that. Been there, done it. <laughs> people, yeah. There's so much growth in that springtime, and it's ridiculous how, how much 
holds increases in just a two-week span. Yeah, it, so that was one, and I feel like there's, oh, pointing your camera in the wrong direction. Mm. Don't You don't want to point it west or east. Because of the sun. Especially if there's not much, many trees around. I've had it where I pointed it, and it's like, sometimes you just get your, your images washed out. You can't really tell what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Those are two good ones. You guys, you guys came up with better ones than me. I applaud you. Those well, are, those are great. I'm just, hey, you know what? Do better we next stood time. Out, okay? Yeah, n- next time, step it up. Yeah, we need uh, a little, little bit more. <laughs> you be, anticipate our every question. Yeah, please. Um, <laughs> so, no, those are, those actually, if anybody's listening, if you follow the, the, those handful of tips, you're going to get bucks in your camera guaranteed every time. Last question for you. Mm. Are there areas that you won't use a camera? Are there times where, you, where you're like, you know what? A, a trail camera is not the appropriate thing right now. I, I shouldn't use one. Uh, or, or are you always throwing them up? <laughs> I, you might be wrong, asking the wrong guy. I know. <laughs> yeah. That's why I thought I would see what you would say. Yeah. Where are you like? Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing sacred. I'm using a camera in any situation. I think it's gonna help me. And I, there's probably times where it was more of a hindrance, but I, I learned something along the way. So, so maybe it wasn't a total waste. No, no, I I can agree. Jared, what about you? Are there any air times you you can say whatever you want? You won't offend. I will offend him. So I'm sorry. What was the are, question? Are you are there times where or areas that you won't throw a camera up, or are you just if you have a camera and you see a spot, you're putting it there every time? I guess maybe like during hunting season, I will have pulled my. I guess maybe pulled my. You cameras. don't leave your cameras out during. Hunting I don't know. Season. I guess I haven't dabbled in having a ton of cameras. I've I've mainly only had like two or three, just because. I don't want to put two or three cameras out on state land or, yeah. you know, different different scenarios. Yeah. I had to sell some to, to pay for something and then yeah. I had to buy another one. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the uh, constant budget <laughs> manip- It's the, you're, you're massaging your budget. That's fine. That's what you got to do to get by in the hunting. You know what? No. I, there probably wouldn't be. If you a had time. a camera, you'd put it out. Yeah. I would put it out. Just what for about, that added intel. I, think, I was thinking of this because I, I wrote this question. I actually had more time to prepare than you guys. Dick. <laughs> when you are, uh, I think maybe if you're a guy out west, you know how they'll put cameras around water holes and they'll be like eight people have cameras around the same water hole? <laughs> like maybe I wouldn't then. And maybe maybe down just a place where I know people are going to be walking. Because there are some places around here where you can hunt you can hunt parks and if you get drawn. Oh yeah, and I don't, I don't know actually, and I could be wrong. There actually could be a rule against this. I don't know, but either way, I don't know that I would always put a camera out in these. Uh, even though there's, that's a, there's some huge parks around here, and they're not like parks like Central Park. They're well, like, I, I bet you could put them out. Yeah, well, I still don't know that I would. I just don't want them to get lifted. You know, you'd it's, hate to see it. You would hate because sometimes yeah. it's the Wild West out there. You know, there's not much you can do in the Wild West. No, other than lock things up. Lock them up. Yeah, you guys do something interesting w- with your uh, theft warranty you want to go over that before we uh, end today yeah so we call the exit advantage kind of how we coined it yeah so we all of our cameras come with a five-year warranty and that is a basic five-year manufacturing warranty if anything goes wrong with it we'll fix or replace it and yep. then we're also since, since we're a direct consumer company we're really have the opportunity to take care of our customers and uh, with that being said we offer a 50 percent off theft and damage replacement so if you were to put one of those cameras out, it's registered through our website. After you purchase it, you go on our website, register the camera, so we know it belongs to you. And then you give us a call or email and say, hey, my camera was stolen. Uh, my name is this. And uh, we look it up, and then we actually give you a one-time 50% off coupon code to replace that camera, which is this completely unheard of in this space. And we don't make any money on that deal, but it's kind of just a way to retain our customers while other customers. Well, other companies look at that as another sales opportunity. Right. They look at it as just simply taking care of folks. Now, That's a cool approach. I like that. If James, you know. I'm stealing Jared's camera if, now. If he, yeah, okay. No, we won't go there. But if James goes, hey, I'm going to buy Jared a uh, excess trail cam for his Christmas present or his birthday. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Secretary's Day. Right. Or I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> but if, if James were to I just give me his Exodus camera that had already been registered for this warranty, is that transferable at all? It's not transferable, unfortunately. Okay. We have to kind of keep it as easy as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be hard uh, to keep track I know of. What question you, I know what question you guys are going to ask in, in terms of like, oh, my camera was still on. Thankfully, I mean, there's really no there's no placeholders that yeah. keep that from happening. But based on our back-end analytics, there's, there's not that many dirtbags out there. So 
that, no, that that's not where I was going. I, yeah. was, I was trying to present yeah, it as dirt bagged, <laughs> like a like a transfer. <laughs> I was trying to ask you. Oh, if, can if you transfer war- a warranty? Oh, yeah, yeah, warranty yeah, I'm following. I'm following. I wasn't saying, hey, can I steal your You're or just say, hey, my camera's stolen. Well, I steal a lot of your <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I take a lot of Jared. I, well, I call it borrowing. I borrow, borrow a lot of Jared's stuff. Yeah. And uh, never know, comes back the same. You're, it's not going to be the same, or even the same, or at all. It might just not come back. <laughs> That's uh, well, hey, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, for for people who want to look into your cameras and and uh, the things you guys are doing, uh, how can they get a hold of you, or where can they follow along? Yeah, you can find this on YouTube with this Exodus Trail Cameras. You can hop over to our podcast, Trail Cam Radio. You can find us on Instagram, Exodus Trail Cameras, and you can find me on Instagram as Jake Hopper. Yeah, your your awesome. your podcasts are great, by the way. I uh we I listen to them often. I've been watching some of your YouTube stuff too. Uh, that's where I learned the uh, old tie out trick, or yeah. the uh, the the rope trick, yeah. the rope mod, we'll call it. The, what was it called? The Exodus me- the Exodus method. The Exodus yeah, method. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> that's great to hear, though. Yeah, so I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Anything else? Did I did I did I cut you off? Was there YouTube information you wanted to give out or anything like that? No, I think if you just Google us, you'll probably be able to track us down. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, what is most folks can do that? Yeah, actually, one more thing for people to check out that I've been actually following along too is you do kind of the whitetail cribs. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah, every Wednesday at twelve Eastern Central Time, uh, at, at noon Eastern Time, every Wednesday is a whitetail cribs episode. If you are familiar with MTV cribs, somewhat oh, yeah. similar feel. That's been such a fun project to kind of see happen, and we actually are going to be headed up to Michigan here. And uh, if this goes live, I'll just be up there right before live. So if you know of anyone, if, any, if you guys are, or anything like that, we're always looking to post to, to up with them. Yeah, for sure. We, we'd love to, love to do that. So, well, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. If you guys like what you hear and want to follow along on what we're currently up to, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on, and follow us on Instagram at Boga Hunting. Join us next week and we'll see you then.